Please join me now for the scripture reading, which is from Psalm 66, verses 1 to 12. You find this in your pew Bibles in the Old Testament on page 528. Make a joyful noise to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Give to him glorious praise. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. Because of your great power, your enemies cringe before you. All the earth worships you. They sing praises to you. Sing praises to your name. Come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds among mortals. He turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the river on foot. There we rejoiced in him, who rules by his might forever, whose eyes keep watch on the nations. Let the rebellious not exalt themselves. Bless our God, O peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard, who has kept us among the living and has not let our feet slip. For you, O God, have tested us. You have tried us as silver is tried. You brought us into the net. You laid burdens on our backs. You let people ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water. Yet you have brought us out to a spacious place. This is the word of the Lord. Since the beginning of September, we have been making our way through Luke's gospel here at the morning uh, worship service. In the evening, Sam has been leading the congregation through uh, Paul's first letter to Timothy. But uh, here in the morning, uh, story by story and miracle by miracle, we have been making our way through Luke's gospel. And this morning, uh, we come to, the, uh, to chapter 17, to the middle of the chapter. I will begin reading with verse 11. Luke 17, beginning with verse 11. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, Praising God with a loud voice, he prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, were not ten made clean, but the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give thanks to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Dear friends of Jesus Christ, I have to tell you that I like this story, this story about the ten lepers, uh, Jesus heals on his way to Jerusalem, this story where only one comes back uh, to give thanks. Uh, None of the other gospel writers uh, includes this particular story, so it is unique Uh, to Luke's gospel, and it it, it fits with the way Luke shows Jesus to us, with the way uh, Luke uh, wants to present Jesus. Uh, Luke, as you know, was partial to shepherds and uh, tax collectors, to women and children, to uh, 
did I say lepers and, and Samaritans, even to Galilean fishermen, right? And uh, these are the people we typically meet in Luke's gospel. So Luke, more than the others, was very much concerned with the poor and the marginalized. And no one in that first century world was more marginalized than the leper. Uh, they literally lived at the edge of town, keeping their distance from people uh, who did not have the disease. But Jesus, as you know, and as Luke emphasizes uh, over and over again, was drawn to the outcast. Uh, he made time for them. He recognized them as human beings. He spoke to them, not down to them. His behavior was, uh, as a matter of fact, often shocking. Uh, more than once, the disciples were uh, startled by what he said and did. Remember the Samaritan woman by the well? This is in uh, John chapter 4. The, they returned to find Jesus speaking with this Samaritan woman, and, and the story says they were astonished by what they saw. Well, in this story, Jesus is making his way to Jerusalem, and he encounters ten lepers who approach him, but who also keep their distance, as they were required to do. And as you heard, they called out and they raised their voices. And in the Greek, this word for raising their voices is a, a kind of a reference to prayer. They are, they are pleading with Jesus to notice them and, and, and to uh, take pity on them. And not surprisingly, Jesus did notice them and he did take pity on them. And he told them to go and show themselves to the priests. Now, I think it's interesting that they were not healed uh, immediately. That's not how the, the story puts it. They turned to go, and, and then they noticed uh, that, oh, they were healed. All right? Uh, the, the translation, the literal translation of the Greek here would be, and it happened in their going, that they were made clean. Now, I point that out to you because I, I don't want you to think badly of these lepers. All right? They were doing the right thing. They were uh, acting in faith. Right? They did precisely what Jesus told them to do. These were good people. These were good, law-abiding lepers. And so it was, as they made their way to the priest, that they uh, discovered their healing. They, they, they looked at their skin and, and found that at last it was soft and, and clean, right? free from disease. And at that point, one of them turned and came back to Jesus, and he, he threw himself at Jesus' feet, and with a loud voice, again, this language of prayer, uh, with a loud voice, the, the leper thanked Jesus. Now, here's my concern in, in, in uh, telling this story. I'm concerned that when we think of those other nine lepers, the ones who did not come back, we tend to think badly of them. Jesus was so kind and, and uh, merciful to them. And just look at their ingratitude. Right? Uh, what terrible people. And, and of course, Jesus does say, no denying this, weren't there ten of you? Where are the others? Uh, but what I would like you to see is that he isn't condemning those other nine so much as he is lifting up this one person in front of him. He wants us to notice something about this one leper who has returned. He thinks there is something about this man's behavior that we should see. Barbara Brown Taylor, uh, who is an American author, has reflected on this story. And, and she writes that the, uh, the other nine, the ones who did not come back, uh, acted like good Jews. But this one leper, whom she calls a, a, a double loser, he's a Samaritan and a leper, 
this, this one leper uh, acted like a man in love. Uh, and I think what she means to say is that this one uh, leper acted irrationally, uh, unexpectedly. Uh, he did what people do when they fall in love. They no longer think clearly. Endorphins are released in the brain, and it's just awful. <laughs> Uh, the other nine were, were making these cool, uh, rational decisions, but this tenth leper was overcome with feelings of gratitude. He should have gone to the priests as quickly as possible. They would have declared him clean and, and ready to be returned to his family and, and his friends and his community. Uh, but instead, this one leper followed his heart. And I think there is a message for us in this story. I think we need to pay attention to this man who was in love. I, I, I think we could learn something from him. We, we would all be better off, I think, if we broke from convention more often. If we followed our hearts instead of our heads more often than we do. Just so you know, I, I would not preach this sermon if I were doing prison ministry. Uh, I have done a fair amount of, uh, of prison ministry over the years. The last church I served had an extensive prison ministry. Several dozen people were involved, and, and uh, this ministry was for people who, uh, for inmates, those on the inside, as well as for their families uh, on the outside. And occasionally I would go with them, not every week, but I would go with them and, and, and give the message. And I think I would not have taught right, the inmates to break the rules. Uh, to follow their hearts more often and, and to break with convention. That, that would not have been an appropriate message. Uh, but I am not in a prison today, am I? I am speaking to a room full of people who know very well how to keep the rules. People who have spent their entire lives keeping the rules, following their heads instead of their hearts. People who, generally speaking, always do what is expected of them. <laughs> and living in Switzerland, I can't resist saying this, uh, I would say there's even more pressure to obey the law. Uh, every day I find myself very much aware of all of the expectations and all of the unwritten rules and, and, and the way we are supposed to do things here. And please do not hear this as a complaint. Right? Uh, because Switzerland works very, very well as a result of all of that. But what I want you to hear and to see this morning uh, is important for living the Jesus way. For living the Jesus life. Uh, I have been a rule follower, uh, well, pretty much for my whole life. Uh, I am much more like the older brother than the younger brother in that parable of the uh, prodigal son, which we looked at a few weeks ago. And frankly, you don't get to be a pastor without trying to be good all the time. So I look at the man in this story, uh, the one leper who returns, and you might be surprised to hear me say this, but I find that I envy him. I wish I could be more like him. Spontaneous, a, a, a risk taker, someone who is unpredictable, a word, by the way, that no one has ever used to describe me. Heart overflowing with gratitude. The rest of you can show yourselves to the priests, I would say. Uh, more power to you, but as for me, I am going dancing. 
I am going to sing. I am going to live my life with gratitude in my heart. Enough with doing what is expected of me. I want to live fully. I want to whistle a melody and skip and jump and do backflips. Imagine a grown man, a pastor, doing backflips. That's who I want to be. And Jesus said to the man in front of him, who was weeping with gratitude, Jesus said to him, your faith has made you well. Your faith has saved you. The the man had received a, a physical healing. His skin was wonderfully clear, but but something more had happened to him. Uh, He had been restored spiritually as well. This is healing. I want you to see this. This is healing of a different kind altogether, and I would say it is far more important. To have clear skin is is pretty good, Right? right? But, I mean, most of us would be happy with that much. But to be spiritually well, oh, it does not get any better than that. So here's the key. And and this is the key that unlocks this this different way of living. Uh, Here's what the story today means to tell us. There is a different way to live and there is a deeper, richer, fuller life that is available to each and every one of us. And the way to achieve this uh, deeper, richer, fuller life is what? Breaking the rules, well, sort of. The the, the way to achieve this deeper, richer, fuller life is through gratitude. I mean, just to say it uh, plainly, to have hearts overflowing with thanksgiving for what God in Jesus Christ has done for us. I don't know how much gratitude you have. It's possible that uh, you are the kind of person who leaps out of bed every day giving thanks to God for the gift of life and breath and health and, and, and family and meaningful work to do. Right? With your first conscious breath of the day, you may feel fully alive and ready to take on the world. And if that describes you, God bless you. Uh, But this morning, I want to say a few words to the rest of us. Those of us who sometimes need to be reminded that we have been blessed beyond measure. That, That our lives overflow with God's blessings and that if we took the time to count our blessings, and as the hymn puts it, to name them one by one, If only we could begin to live gratefully, we would find ourselves experiencing an altogether different kind of life. There's a researcher whose name is Robert Emmons. And I discovered this week that he is the world's leading authority uh, on gratitude. He's written books about it and and he's given TED Talks uh, uh, about it. Imagine being known as the world's leading authority on gratitude. I think that would be pretty cool. Right, though in one of his TED Talks, he, he said that his wife doesn't think he's all that th- thankful. Right? <laughs> so one of the purposes of marriage, I, I know, is to keep our feet on the ground. Uh, uh, uh. Uh, anyway, what Robert Emmons has discovered in his research over the last uh, 10 years, at least, is that uh, being a thankful person leads to all kinds of amazing benefits, physical, psychological, spiritual Right? Uh, Robert Emmons has written that the word thanks and all the cognates uh, of Thanksgiving uh, 
uh, that, that that word appears 150 times in Scripture. And it is such an important biblical theme, and yet, this is what he writes, uh, most people do not spend much time at all cultivating this particular feeling or this particular approach to life. Just to give you a hint about this research, I was overwhelmed by the volume of it, to be honest, but just to give you a small sampling. People who practice gratitude, in other words, uh, people who are intentional about being grateful, uh, are happier. And and apparently not just happier, they have more life satisfaction and, and more optimism and joy and pleasure and enthusiasm. On the flip side, people who practice gratitude have much less, in fact, measurably less anxiety and depression. Uh, Gratitude is good for our bodies. Uh, Emmons has found that grateful people sleep better. And and not only do they have more hours of sleep, but the the hours that they are asleep always sleep uh, more soundly. Grateful people have better immune systems, and, and they have lower blood pressure, and they have fewer illnesses. Who knew? People who practice gratitude have more success in their personal relationships, their marriages. Uh, Grateful people, and I I made a note of this, contribute more around the house in terms of household chores. I'm not going to name names, but you know who you are. (laughs) Young people, ages uh, 10 to 19, according to this research, young people who practice gratitude, who are intentional about it, experience more life satisfaction, better test scores, and a greater connection to their family and friends. And then one last example, although, as I mentioned, the the research is extensive. Uh, People who practice gratitude recover more quickly from loss and grief. Uh, This is true for divorced people, but it is also true for people who have lost their partners to, to death. And I have to say that this fits with my own experience in leading uh, grief groups uh, over the years. Uh, In grief groups, uh, the person uh, who comes to the group and who expresses gratitude for the gift of marriage and and for the good times that were enjoyed together and and for the children who were the fruit of the marriage, uh, for all of that and more, those are the people who, who seem to find wholeness more quickly and who who discovered that there is another chapter to life. Maybe you've noticed uh, that each time uh, I I just talked about grateful people, I I refer to them as those who practice gratitude. And and that's important because gratitude, uh, I mean, I wish this weren't the case, but gratitude does not come naturally to us. Uh, It is a feeling or a state that that requires cultivation. We, we, We need to work at it until it becomes second nature to us. What Emmons did in in one of his studies uh, was to form three groups of people, and they were all asked to keep a journal. So the first group was asked to record briefly uh, five items uh, that uh, they were thankful for every week. And then the the second group of people was to record uh, five uh, things that gave them displeasure or that annoyed them. And then the, the third group wasn't given much of an instruction, just write five things down. Right. It, it was better than that, but any, that was the uh, gist of it. And, and, and uh, after ten weeks of all of this journaling and, and record-keeping, you can almost predict, can't you, how this is going to go? After ten weeks, the people in the first group were a full 25% happier than the people in the second group. 
And not only that, they reported fewer health complaints. And then I like this one, they even exercised an average of one and a half hours more each week. <laughs> Look, I don't usually tell you how to live your lives. I try to stay out of the advice-giving business. My training tells me that it's far better to help you figure it out for yourself when you think you have uh, discovered something on your own rather than being told by me. I can lead you in the right direction, but most of the time I think it's better if you find this out for yourself. But this morning, I have to tell you, I, I, I can't help myself. Uh, and I do not apologize for what I'm about to say. We are blessed people. <laughs> we are blessed immeasurably more than all we can uh, imagine. And even if you think that your life has, has been a raw deal for you, the truth of the matter is that you are blessed and you have more advantages than the vast majority of the world's population. And if all of that were not enough, seems to me it should be, but if all of that were not enough, God loves you. Each and every one of you with a love that passes all understanding. Each one of us, to, to use the words of Scripture, each one of us has experienced grace upon grace. Even in the darkest moments of your life, there have been glimmers of hope and grace that could only have come from God. And with all of that and more, how grateful are you? I'll be honest, I have to work at it. A long, long time ago now, at least 25 years ago, a dear friend gave me this ceramic bowl, which has the words, I'm sure you can't see this, but the words, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good, from Psalm 34. You know, guys don't usually give each other ceramic bowls as presents. <laughs> It's true, isn't it? Uh, uh, how many ceramic bowls have you received from another guy? <laughs> uh, but this dear friend uh, knew what he was doing. He knew me. And the bowl was meant uh, as an invitation to practice gratitude. So ever since, it has been on my desk in, in a whole series of churches now. And most recently, I put it on my desk here in Zurich. And every time something good happens, every time I receive a thank you note, or every time there is some tangible expression of, of kindness, I toss it in. And even though I've emptied it several times over the years, it keeps filling up. And it keeps reminding me that I am blessed beyond anything I deserve. Right? Every time I look at it, I see, taste and see that the Lord is good. I'm not going to give you each a ceramic bowl this morning. I, uh, sorry, I wish I could. Right? Uh, but I'm going to encourage you to get your own, or you know, whatever that looks like for you. And I'm going to challenge you. Beginning today, beginning right now, before afternoon is upon us, to start paying attention. To start making lists to start naming your blessings one by one. 
until your heart is overflowing with gratitude. I mean, I challenge you to become more like the leper in our story for today, letting your heart overrule your head for once in your life. I would not say that to prison inmates, but I am saying it to each one of you today. Let your hearts overflow with gratitude for what God in Jesus Christ has done for you. Will you pray with me? Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this story as we've thanked you for each of these stories in, in Luke's gospel. We, we, we thank you for this one man who at this particular moment in his life could not hold back, who recognized the great gift that he had been given, the, the, the gift of life and restoration. We give you thanks for him and for the example that he is for us. And our prayer this morning is that we might become more like him. With hearts overflowing for gratitude, for the, the, the healing that we each have experienced in our own lives. Help us to be the grateful people you have called us to be. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.